Attention! Welcome to the Film Mages Podcast, where the popcorn is our ammunition, the couch is our foxhole, and the cinema is our place of worship. Now let me see your war face! And we are live. Are we live? We are Why live. Why did we start the recording there? Did it matter? I guess it doesn't matter. It's it? fine. Great. Well, here we all are with our new audio equipment. Kind of. It is. Yeah. Except one with, the, with our headphones. Well, that's, the, the that's interface, the headphones. Yeah. Yeah. No, we've had a real adventure today. Uh, Mick, you want to you hop into the intro real quick? Yeah. Uh, welcome, everybody. Uh, welcome back to the Film Majors podcast, where the popcorn is our munitions, the couch is our foxhole, and the cinema is our place of worship. That's goddamn right. Now, I'd like to hop right into what's going on, because we've had a lot going on, I feel like, personally, in our day. And I've had so much going on. Yeah, I'd like to share it, because uh, if, if you haven't noticed, our audio is significantly better this episode, and it's because we're recording on real microphones. Wow. Wow, that was so, that was incredible, guys. Uh, <laughs> we're just in sync. <laughs> yeah. I'm the band. They're making me dread the next episode so hard. Oh, what is the next so no, episode? We'll get to it at the end. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we, uh, so for our first episode, we were uh, very kindly gifted uh, three free microphones, mic stands, uh, Two free pop filters and a free mixer, as well as XLR cables. It by... didn't work, but still, hey. Okay. You're jumping the gun on the mixer. Uh, recording on it, so... And we uh, we spent the past, uh, I don't know, hour and a half troubleshooting that? Something like it's that? It's been an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah we, uh, we made two trips to Guitar Center today, but now we are live and we are sounding smooth and buttery. It's been Smooth and buttery. No pastry. Put no butter. And, and no sugar. sugar. What the sweet fuck was that? <laughs> that is uh, some like it hot. Yeah. Oh, God. Says that I didn't too. watch all of it. Yeah. I mean, I've seen it before. It's a fantastic film. That's, yeah, it's a, one of my favorite lost. quotes. Yeah, no, yeah. T- talking about current film news, some like it hot. Speaking of some like it hot, by <laughs> Billy Wilder. We're so relevant. I love it. Have uh, you guys seen M by Fritz Lang? It's a new movie. I'm like Robert. No, what is that? Who's in that? Is, is Tom Holland in that picture? Uh, no, he no, he didn't quite make it. Uh, yeah. Tom Holland didn't make the cut. Tom Holland did not make the cut. Son of a bitch! I'm not watching a movie without Tom Holland. He is a beautiful Wait. little twink. What What did you guys watch last night? What did we watch last night? Zach, what did we watch last night? Uh, you know, separate from YouTube, because I have love in my life, I went and saw Bodies, Bodies, Bodies with my girlfriend. Oh, uh, I do love her, but, like, you know, I still have love in my life, so it worked. It worked. What? What? I say that to you all the time. That you love me, but yeah. you... But you what? I still have love in my life. You said we don't have love. Yeah, you have love in your life. Yeah. We you do have joke. love in our lives. Yeah, he said that you love this lives. Yeah. We're deeply in love. I wouldn't say deeply. With Elvis. Yes. <laughs> do not. Austin Butler. Listen. No more. You say it. Um, if you guys can't guess what we're doing next week, I feel like a pretty big hint was just fucking dropped. Yeah. Hello, right. girl, man. No, no more. <laughs> All right, bodies, bodies, bodies. I really liked it. I, I enjoyed it. I was so I was surprised by how much I liked that. I uh, I was bothered by different things than mm-hmm. I expected to be bothered by because when I watched the trailer for Bodies, 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 I was concerned that it was going to play like uh, something written about young people by. A middle-aged person who spent like you know half an hour on Twitter, 
and its rant about her podcast is spectacular. Uh, that woman's a goddamn fucking star. Uh, have you guys seen Shiva Baby? I did. Oh, I that's where she's Baby. from. I haven't that's, seen that. That's what I was. I was like, okay. I know her from something. Shiva Baby fucking yeah. bangs. Also, that was really good. Yeah, yeah. I must admit. Uh, I but, watched that on your recommendation. Oh, oh yeah. that's so nice. Yeah. Most days. Some of them. I'm feeling something in this room right now, guys. Sorry, that's my toe. I'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> stop. Uh, but no, the thing that kind of bugged me with Bodies, Bodies, Bodies was honestly the look of the movie. Uh, I felt like the repetitive nature of like, there are just so many shots in that movie that are a completely black background and a face lit up by a phone screen. Brian De Palma said that there's uh, no beauty left in cinema, which, you know, is pretty fucking d dramatic, but it is Brian De Palma, so. Uh, and why he said that is because he was like, when we were shooting on film, you had to pay a ridiculous amount of attention to how you light a scene, and now with digital cameras, you can just throw a fucking lamp on and the scene's lit. And that's, that's how I felt about a lot of Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. It felt like they just were relying on that to, you know, get a shot done quickly. And I think there's a difference between, like, the beautiful fucking compositions of Roger Deakins and a, yeah. like, you know, 20, 30 close-ups of someone panicking illuminated by a phone. Okay, well, you know, the other thing is, is that, well, I have a very bad fear of the dark <laughs> to this day. Like, from you childhood to this day, you know, sometimes it just flares up a little bit. Um, <clears throat> but in uh, Nope, uh, I mean, it's shot on film, but like, you really, really get this really nice depth of the darkness, but to be fair for me, as having somebody who has like naturally like a fear of the dark, it 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 didn't have the exact same uh, effect on me, but I still got a little frightened just because like I'm constantly like because they're so lit up in their face, I don't know what's going on around them at all, you know. Whereas like in Nope. Um, everything's lit so nicely right. that it's like you're scanning the scene looking for what doesn't belong. It's right. a different kind of fear, yeah. you know? So I, I didn't mind it too right. much. Right, when the, when the moon illuminates the valley you, at night, when you're actually there, you can't see for miles. And they wanted mm -hmm. to recreate that. The, mm -hmm. How they did that was they shot day for night. Mm -hmm. That's why nighttime stuff looks the way it does on no. Yeah. What you're speaking to, I think, yeah. on Bodies, 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 how you can't see what's going on behind them, is all a part of the, oh, I hate to use the word gimmick, but it's it's a part of the, it's a part of the, the mood of the film. And that's why I really, I, I was not bothered by the visuals of the film. I thought it worked for the energy that it had. Yes, obviously depth adds so much to the sense of the scene and the scene itself and the shot you're saying that they didn't use depth enough yes it's just a part of the screen that's uh that's being illuminated i i will counter with um obviously our one of our main characters has never been to this house before and so she's constantly going um through different hallways and and it it feels like you're lost in a maze i can uh, i can see where you guys are coming from on that and Honestly, that's, it's more of a nitpick. The stuff that I, you know, 
no, really like, took away from Bodies, Bodies, Bodies is, you know, Rachel Sennett's performance. Yeah. So Fucking good. poor Lee Pace. Oh my god, poor Greg. Greg. Oh, yeah. poor Greg. Lee Greg Pace was is so hot. Rest in peace, Greg. He yeah. was really hot. Yeah, yeah I was like, look at that giant hot. man. Yeah. I feel like we've talked about Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Do we want to talk a little more about what's okay. going on? Okay, wait, wait, wait. Just the, the only thing about it is that, like, it definitely sets up everything for you to feel like the end. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah, that tracks. That yes. totally tracks. Okay, good. You yeah, know? that's what I was going to yeah. say. I was like, I, was, I, I kept trying to figure out, like, how is this going to end? Yeah. Like, what, what, what's going to be the cause of all this? And then, I, yes, always, exactly. I always the love it so when, like, perfect. a movie sells something as a fact. Yeah. And then you're just like, oh, okay. That's what was the anomaly in all of this, yeah. right? It, it was really fun. It's great, yeah. too, because on it's a rewatch... Like the gel- it's kind of like the gentleman. Yeah, exactly. On yeah. a rewatch, you'll watch Bodies, 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 and you're going to go, yeah. Uh, of course. I, of course yeah. it goes this yeah, of way. of course that's what fucking happened. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, please watch it. Watch Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. In cinemas, please. Thank you. Our yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. No toxic masculinity, by the way. I think so that's toxic. my main tax- my main takeaway from Bodies, 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 you know? Is that there was no toxic masculinity or that you shouldn't do it? That you shouldn't do it. <laughs> it's so fun sometimes. I wouldn't know. And Mick has taken off his headphones, which was a good choice. Yep. And we're going to move on to some other things that are going on. What else is going on, Zach? Uh, well, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio has, uh, unfortunately, his girlfriend has aged out of being his girlfriend. I feel like we don't really need to cover this in great detail. Cause no, I, feel I like, think that's just a fact. Yeah, she's, Twitter's She's Twitter's in, what, 24, and now she's 25. out. 25. 25, she's out. Yeah. She's out. She's going to be going on yeah. his insurance here. That's uh, terrible. But I think the more important piece of film news is that our beloved Nicole Kidman AMC ad is getting a sequel. Oh my god. And I, for one, cannot fucking wait because my mom is coming back and I'm so glad that she is because I was scared and I didn't know where she was. You're referring to Nicole Kidman as being your mom? Yeah, she is my mom. That's correct. No, she's my cinema mom. That, that's my home, Zach Kidman. <laughs> yeah, you didn't know that? I never put that together yeah, you until never, just you never now. Got that? Yeah, wow. No. Uh, is, I've been I, doing an accent this whole time. I'm fucking Australian. Is Tom Cruise your dad? Is Tom Cruise my dad? Oh, I fucking shit. Oh, no, 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 no. Lost child. I did not understand the significance of that, uh, what would you call it, an advertisement? Until I watched a movie for the first time with Mick at an AMC theater. And I looked over, and you were just fucking crying. That and I was like, "What? Yeah, <laughs> like this is doing this for you." I would, yeah. Okay, so first of all, <laughs> I would just like to say, I feel for. I have a lot to say about this, actually. <laughs> One, you called it an advertisement. Yes. Oh, yeah, it's not. Okay. It's a short film. Okay. It is a short film that uh, brings you into a, a, and theater. I'm not going to mention which one because I don't want to get sued. Uh, 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 but I feel vindicated because she's absolutely right. Heartbreak does feel good in a place like this. Sound that you can feel. I mean, is that not exactly why we go to the okay, cinema? I, is that not perfect? I, I hate that you're right. Because, yeah, because <laughs> I yeah. don't ever want you to be right. Yeah, uh, I know. I, I know that. Uh, but yeah, but honestly, I love getting my heart broken in the theater. So nice. I want her to hold me. You want her to hold you? Yeah. 
Just How tell tired. me about the movies. Your mom? <laughs> yeah. I, I need her to tell me that it's all going to be okay. Oh, baby, this bit's got a little weird. No, it's good. No, no, let's stay in this together. My, my nostrils are flaring. I don't want to hold anyone. No. Oh, okay, that's fine. I don't need to be held. Um, but, but uh, yes, so, so we are talking about this because there is now going to be a sequel yeah. to that, which is the, the most amazing thing. And if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, that cinema that is airing that took it off for a little bit and people actually protested, basically. They wanted the really? internet, yeah. I believe that's true, yeah. yeah I they think protested, they, bring it back. I yeah. kind of love that. Yeah. To be honest, if I were going to get like a short film like that, mm-hmm. I would want it to be Nicole Kidman because she is probably one of the first like crushes that I ever had in my life. I mean, I saw Moulin Rouge when I was like maybe like seven years old and I think it rewired my brain a little bit. Kate Winslet, she's a redhead in Titanic. Is she 25 in in Titanic? (laughs) Maybe that's why it had chemistry. (laughs) Okay. I think we could still stay in this. I feel good. I feel protected here. You feel good? You yeah. feel good about uh, No, I feel good about everything I've said I'm so giving far. you a side eye, but That's I mean, okay. take that as you will. Uh, I take that you want to make eye contact with me to connect with me on a human level. I mean, that's fair. That's why we go to the movies, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, All right, guys. Are we ready? Have we covered what's going on, or do we want? There's a lot more going on. Do we want to get? Do we want to jump into 2019, or do you do you have something going on? What else is going on, Mickey boy? Uh, Well, one thing I would like to bring up is uh, there is a casting announcement for Craig Gillespie new film. It's going to be a comedy. Craig Gillespie he uh, directed Iconia. Okay. Uh, And he also directed the new. uh, Disney film with uh, oh yeah he directed Cruella Cruella which I heard okay things about I did oh, not watch it okay but uh, yes he is doing a new movie starring Sebastian Stan Seth mm-hmm. Rogen Paul Dano and speaking of bodies 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 I Pete love Davidson. Paul Dano so Paul Dano that is a fucking legend it's he a comedy a apparently yeah. um, and I have no idea what it's about but I am sign me up yeah because I'm down. bodies 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 by the way was the first uh, Pete Davidson performance I've ever seen. I've seen his stand-up. I've never seen him in a TV yeah. show. I've never seen him in a movie. And last night, I was like, okay, what's the whole Pete Davidson about? Okay, I'm in. I like it. Interesting. I like okay. him. I have yeah, to respect a man who can bring Joe Pesci out of retirement once again, because he's got Joe yeah. Pesci for his, uh, like, what is it, Peacock series, which is crazy, because Joe Pesci has only ever done one... T- <laughs> Thank you. Peacock! Um... He's only ever done one TV show before this, so it's surprising that he's coming out of what's basically been a 25-year retirement with, like, three exceptions to do a Pete Davidson TV show. I love it when actors retire. I'm doing quotation fingers yeah. right here. Daniel Day-Lewis. Why can't there why be don't you cobble your? Why don't you cobble yourself another <laughs> role, Daniel? He's cobbling. He has to do it in silence. <laughs> Why Alexis, he's cobbling. cobbling. I wish there was like 
some sort of a sound so that people could know when I'm just shaking my head at you two. Yeah, it's the sound of a Because, you know, the lovely opening. thing about this is that you guys are both on this side and I'm on this side, so I get to stare directly at you guys. You guys are both looking at yeah, me. Yeah, because we get to sit over here and hold hands. We're holding hands right now. I don't know if you yeah. know this. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. So, um, speaking of beating off, 2019 on film. I mean, and now it has to stay. That's fair. <laughs> that's true. You said it. I hate you for that because it's honest. I just love being because among friends. 2019 yeah. was really beating off the film industry, and then yeah. that's honestly maybe that's the reason why we yeah. got COVID because 29 beat off so hard it was just dry for yeah. a year. Yeah, it had that post nut clarity. No, you know if 2019 was beating off on film, then the no. the climax was the film no. cats. <laughs> Just you enough. said earlier, bodies, 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 kind of, it reminded me of Clue, it reminded you of Knives Out, Knives Out was a 2019 film, and we're continuing our 2019 marathon, and one of those films was, that I had not seen before until tonight, Yeah. Rocket Man. Yeah. Are we jumping right into it? I think we should jump right so, into it. Let's yeah. jump right, I feel like we've got things to say. Yeah. So we're talking about Rocket Man. Yes, directed by Dexter Fletcher, uh, who is a contemporary of the filmmaker we talked about last week, Guy Ritchie. Dexter oh. Fletcher was a cast member in Guy Ritchie's first film, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. And sure. uh, he's going to be directing the third film, the Sherlock Holmes series. Which I have, I'm a big Sherlock Holmes fan. We both and are. We're, big, we're all big Sherlock. Are you a big fan of the Sherlock Holmes movies, Alexis? I'm a medium fan, not as big as you, obviously. Well, <laughs> I'll leave that there. And um, <laughs> yes, I was nervous about it. I love those films. Uh, if it wasn't going to be Guy Ritchie, I was nervous. And uh, when I found out it was going to be Dexter Fletcher, I thought, oh boy, because Sherlock Holmes movies are not just Sherlock Holmes films. They're also Guy Ritchie films. Anyways, so Rocket Man, I saw this movie for the first time um, when it came out. Zach, did you see it when it came out? Yeah, I saw it in theaters. Okay. I actually do remember you specifically talking about it because you went out of your way to see that movie and also see Bohemian Rhapsody, and you liked Rocket Man much better than you liked Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes, and when I was growing up, Queen was like one of the bands that particularly my dad would play in the car. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I had more of a connection and was more primed to like Bohemian Rhapsody. But I feel like the way that I often pitch Rocket Man to people is that it's like Bohemian Rhapsody if it was good. Which is funny because Dexter Fletcher did come in to do reshoots on Bohemian Rhapsody mm -hmm. when Brian Singer had to leave for being a pedophile, allegedly, but... You know, just we have to say, but I have <laughs> allegedly throw it out. I don't care. We know he did that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think that says it all. If they brought Dexter Fletcher in to do the reshoots, doesn't it? I guess so. I mean, yeah, it shows that he's far more fucking competent with this material. And I mean, I think the movie speaks for itself, uh, both with Fletcher's directing and, you know, not to make it a competition, but between Rami Malek in Bohemian Rhapsody and Taron Egerton in Rocketman. Taron Egerton's doing his own singing, so I feel like we can just leave that there. I do actually really love, um, well, because I, I, I think Rocketman is definitely a musical, um, because when there is more music than there is a natural dialogue, usually that's something that we, we would call musical. Um, I love 
when people do their own singing for that. Like, okay, so, like, specifically, like, take Les Miserables that came out in, I don't know, like, 2013, 2012? I don't even know. 2015? Like, I don't know. I was definitely very hungover when I saw the movie. I had to... I had to leave the theater and go throw up in the toilet and then come back and cry for Fontaine's song. And it's just like the, the, the emotion that you get out of those recordings while they're kind of in the moment and processing that scene. It's just, it's really good. Yeah. Um, but I really liked, I, I'll be honest, I don't love the first like 10 minutes of Rocket Man. It, it kind of doesn't work for me. Interesting, because I feel like for me, the spot where Rocket Man lags is the spot where basically every biopic about a famous rock and roller lags, which is about halfway through the second act, I'm like, how many times can I see you have a drug-induced freakout? Yeah. Sometimes it takes me a minute to get in it. And I think Rockman was just one of those ones where it's like, oh, the first 10 minutes, I'm not completely sold that this is how I would like the story to be told. But uh, as soon as you get to Saturday night and the choreography that they have, which reminded, what a fucking me, number. reminded me of the Elvis comeback special 68. <laughs> yeah. Wait until the end to discover what we are talking about next week. <laughs> um. But yeah, no, as soon as you get into that point, like, what, 15 minutes in, I'm sold immediately because that that was so fun. Um, but I don't know. It was just, it's just a little slow going. It also just, I don't know. Uh, it's the same thing that you talked about the other day, Mick, where you're, like, talking about how, like, oh, I don't love musicals because it's, like, just people singing at each other. Yep, that's pretty much what musicals are, and I don't enjoy them. Uh, I have a friend, uh, his name is Benji, and he once put it, the most succinct I've ever heard is, look, I understand you're in a musical and you're expressing your feelings. I just need you to express them differently. Okay. That's how I feel about musicals. But I really enjoyed Rocket Man, and I will agree it's a musical. It, there are a lot of dialogue scenes in it yeah. that give me what I want. But it's funny to hear that you don't like the opening because I actually quite did. I like how he bursts into this uh, basically AA meeting in his full-on outfit, and I'm immediately asking myself, like, okay, this yeah. can't be literal. Like, it's, this, is, this is already on the opening shot showing me the language of this film, and that it, he goes through the door, and suddenly he's, his, his, he's with his younger self having a musical number in his childhood neighborhood. I'm just eyes wide open, soaking it all in, realizing that the film is broadcasting to me, get ready, because we're going to do this a lot. And I appreciated that. I actually, for the opening shot, I was pretty much into it. I quite liked it. Interesting. Bear in mind that I, this was my first viewing. I definitely like. I think. Um, uh, what is it? Uh, the kind of um, the song that they all do together in the house. Uh, I want love. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I just don't love the performance. Maybe is what it is. That's but I stilted. love. I love Gemma Jones though. I love her She's her great. part in that song. I yeah. I think just in general, like I really love her as an actress. I've loved her in everything she's ever been in, and I think that she really sells the emotion of like her character. And I'm not quite sure that I like am as connected to the father or the mother, but maybe that is a that's a choice Neither in the movie. He. You know, so yeah. Um, 
I do feel like uh, Bryce Dallas Howard is maybe the least human character in the film. She is truly just like... One of my notes is that like the mother, and that I thought the first time I ever watched it was like, wow, mother's really demonized in this movie, for sure. You know? And I'm like, is she really this bad, or is this just his perception of her? Mm -hmm. You know? Really quick, I, I also just wanted to focus in a little bit more on the aspect of it being a musical. I think the thing that really makes it a musical is both obviously the fact that the songs are not all performed on stage. They're not all performed by Elton John. You know, they are woven into the narrative to express aspects of his emotional state. Mm-hmm. And, like, they truly function like songs in a musical. Like, there's the concept of an I want song where a character expresses like what their you know deep desire is or an I am song where they're talking about who they are uh, you know an example of that would be uh, let it go from frozen okay. um, classic and like literally <laughs> the song I want love functions as an I want song the movie is all about Elton's need to be loved and to be loved properly and that sets up his entire character conflict. So I think despite the fact that I, I kind of agree that some of the performances in that song don't totally click, uh, again, not to fucking rag on Bryce Dallas Howard, but also like her dad's Ron Howard, she's fine. Um, she's chilling. She, she's been fine. She's been um, fine for sure. I, I do think that like the function of that song is really effective. Yeah. I, I'm glad you brought that up about about how that is that is his I want song is I want love. Uh, I mean obviously it's in the name, but one line that I wrote down, I remember when it happened in the film, we all kind of looked at each other. It's how you know it's a good line, is he said Elton John said, Real love is hard to come by, so you find your way without it. And I thought that was really interesting because He's trying to find his way without that love, and he kind of loses his way because of it. And it's not until he actually does have that ending scene where it all comes together, he has his closure, and he actually finds some real love in his life that uh, I really appreciated that about the movie. Biopics live and die by how much, at least for me, live and die by how much I buy the quote-unquote central relationship in the movie. Like, for example, Walk the Line, I, I totally buy the relationship between uh, Joaquin Phoenix and Reese Witherspoon in that movie. I think that they completely sell their chemistry. And I think in that same way, uh, Taron Edgerton and Jamie Bell are yeah. just like the yeah. beating heart of this thing. Everyone's talking about Taron Edgerton's fantastic singing. I want to talk about his fantastic acting oh, yeah. in that scene. His his swallowing of rejection was so genuine, but also a matter of fact. Like, oh, that hurts. He's just so... His acting's so reserved, and yet he's saying so much with so little. And I thought that it was most apparent when he was opposite is Kit Harrington, right? Or... Oh, no, it's the uh, other guy from Game of Thrones. Oh, my God. Game what's his name? Hold on, let me pull it up really quick. Uh, Richard, Richard Madden. Buffett. Richard Madden. Richard yeah, Madden. that's right. That's okay. going to be my second guess. Okay. Richard Madden. When he was, like, going opposite of Richard Great Madden... Charlie. I do like Richard Madden, but I like Taron Edgerton's performance so much better yeah. because 
I mean, I think that there maybe Richard Madden is giving a little bit too much in his expressions when he's like kind of saying things, and Taryn Edgerton is just. It feels really natural. Yeah, I mean, everything that he's doing. That was another reason why the the opening worked for me because mm-hmm. it, there's a there's a close up of him thinking yeah. about what he's going to say, and you, you can just see it in his eyes the way he's twitching his eyelids and stuff. Taryn, if you're listening, I know you are. Oh, I'm a long time listener, first time caller, Taryn Edgerton. Taryn, uh, how are you doing? So good. Hello. Oh, I'm just so no. pleased that you loved my performance. I was trying to be reserved. I was trying to keep me emotions a little bit close to the best. So I'm just tickled that you guys, and sorry, Taryn, that was all the time we had for you. It's Taryn Edgerton. That's a that's a wonderful get for us. And, yes. uh, you know, if I'm you so keep glad listening, he, he was able to come on the show in I between doing time. Everything for, I said about him. For what? Guy Ritchie, yeah, he's obviously on a Guy Ritchie movie. Yeah, I, I think he's know. also he's... in Peaky Blinders, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yeah, you know, he, uh, I believe he plays Peaky Blinders in that yeah. show. Yeah, no, that's uh, his classic catchphrase. Hello, my name is Peaky Blinders. We were genuine yeah. for a good 15 minutes yeah. there. Yeah. I feel like we yeah. were doing good. Uh, we were doing so good. <laughs> on that note, I, I did literally write down Taron Edgerton does a great job stuffing down pain. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that, yeah, in those, particularly in his scenes in AA... He is just, like, playing so much while saying so, you know. Every time that we came up to him, um, you know, in the midst of a crisis, Taryn Edgerton was still playing it very cool, very, um, well, you know, obviously when you're using, uh, when you're using in general, um, you're masking whatever's going on. And so when Bernie comes in in this one scene with these two girls into his suite at the house and he's just like drinking, I still was very sold on how reserved he was kind of playing it of like, yeah. of course, you know, like I'm just he's here, sure. you know, the, the fun's not missing out on me because the fun's just happening, you know, kind yeah. of shit. Yeah, I, I think it speaks more to maybe my general issue with music biopics which is that you don't need to focus on the artist's entire life. Particular moment where I was like, do we need it is in his marriage. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like that is over and done with probably in five minutes. And I don't, I don't know that we necessarily need it. I don't think that it necessarily tells us more about his sort of downward spiral I think it does. I think it does. Like yeah, gay actually. man marrying a woman. No, yes. it does because he's because he's, <laughs> he's 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 spent so much time in the closet and then yeah. he's but I think he's we trying. Got that already. No, no. Yeah, but, in the opening, I think we got it. Like no, but you you don't get the part that he's this old and now yeah. he's like, oh, this is somebody that I feel a little connected to. Maybe I can make it work. He's latching onto anything. Exactly. This is that's part of the downward spiral is that he's literally latching on to anything that's going to make him feel good for that moment. And it does, and that's why it feels it feels very sad when they're at that breakfast table because obviously they live in separate rooms and then he's drinking so heavily. Yeah. The first thing. I think it breathes there. I, I think that he realizes that like there's this is not what could save him. 
that there's nothing that can save him that in a relationship. I, I think that that comes back to my issue with music biopics, though, because I, I, I hear what you're saying, and I, I think that that's important, but I don't think that it has any room to breathe because it's over and done with so quickly. Like, you don't... You don't flesh out that relationship, and I, I think that that's another yeah, that's another yeah, aspect that. that we kind of see that I feel like we touched on when talking about uh, Richard Madden's performance and Bryce Dallas Howard's performance, which is that I feel like in a lot of movies about rock stars, other than the people who are the most central to the story, in this case, it's you know Elton and Bernie. Uh, Everyone else is, is very arched, they're very broad, and I think that part of that honestly maybe comes down to the fact that a lot of the time these movies have the involvement of the either the artist themselves or the estate of the artist, so you don't get a nuanced look at the story from an outside perspective. You get what the artist or the artist's estate wants them to see, although I will say that I feel like Rocket Man does allow Elton John to look like a lot more of a piece of shit than many of these movies do. I, he was so heavily involved with it, too. Yes, and which, I, I have to admire him, you know, being... Which, it, I think it personally speaks to how important she must have been for him to insist, probably, that she still... No, Michael Jordan himself, and people are saying, well, we don't know if we can trust this because... It's him telling the story of himself. Like, we should probably get more outside perspectives. And the counterpoint to that, which is, I, would you agree that's kind of what you're saying? It's kind of like that where the estate or the artist themselves has their fingers in the jar. Therefore, they're going to try to paint themselves in a more favorable light. I wouldn't say it's exactly the same thing, because I think you... Uh, I feel like the difference between Rocketman and The Last Dance is that in The Last Dance, you literally have Michael Jordan on screen telling yeah. his story in person it's not an actor it's him yeah so you kind of already get the sense that he's the person guiding the narrative whereas with a film made by you know ostensibly people who are not the people involved in the story i think nice when they get to in a way clear the record no this is what happened that's all I gotta say. That's why I personally don't mind it when the estate or the artist is involved with it. In a way, I almost prefer that. You know, I think one of your complaints originally about Bohemian Rhapsody was the way that, um, you know. Oh my God, the way that Queen portrays themselves. Can I? Can I yeah, chat no, about no, this no. a little bit? Well, that's what I'm saying though. Is that like that's that's a complaint that you had about that, and obviously. Uh, Freddie Mercury isn't here to be able to yeah. have any sort of rights to telling his own story and therefore people are telling his story for him and yet you're still having a complaint that Elton John gets to you know tell his story in a certain way kind of. You know, I just so. I I think that there's a level of like doubt that brews in my mind when you have a movie like this where the characters who are not Elton and Bernie are sort of so, for lack of a better word, arch. I think that that's the thing that always sort of takes me out of it. It's like, these are clearly people that they do not like, most probably for good reason, but like, they are people with interiority and with, you know, desires and dreams. And I feel like I don't get a sense of that so much from a movie like Bohemian Rhapsody. Like, his 
His mom is, for for lack of a better word, just a, a wicked bitch. I mean, she yeah. is just so evil on such a deep level. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's, it's strange to watch. Uh, and I will again say that I refer to this movie as Better Bohemian Rhapsody because Elton John does portray himself as a person who's flawed, a person who hurts the people around him, whereas in something like Bohemian Rhapsody, there's the scene where Freddie Mercury is having his drugs party and the members of the band are invited to stay and they go, no, Fred, we have families and we have band practice in the morning. And I'm like, fuck right off. You know that you were getting absolutely hammered and drugged out of your mind at these parties with Freddie Mercury and cheating on your wives like every other rock star ever did. Don't lie to me. Don't bullshit me. Go ahead, Mike. Oh, I would say then I I have not seen Bohemian Rhapsody yet. Uh, so it sounds like that is an exception where that is the wrong people had their their influence over okay. the final product. Specifically, what I'm saying is that um, when I watch something like Rocket Man, and I know that Elton John himself has had his hands in the story. To me, especially because this story is about addiction, um, this all doesn't matter to me. Because I understand that when you're, when you've been in a place where you've had trauma, when you've been in a place where you've been hurting, the things that people say to you, they mean a lot. And those are the things that cycle and cycle through your mind. So when his mother says something like, you're never going to be loved, that is something that probably stuck with him for decades of his life. And in fact, you can see that in the movie. But I think because you can recognize that he is a person in addiction and a person who has had a lot of, you know, like, you know, emotional neglect in his life, in his early life, that I think that's a lot more understandable for me. You don't get to know because they're not worth getting to know sometimes, you know? And, um, and sometimes you can't understand them from a certain point of view and whatever. I'm mostly talking about this as a general rule. Like, I think that Rocket Man is kind of the best case scenario of this. Uh, I think, again, much like Bohemian Rhapsody, do not watch this movie. Uh, but The Dirt, which is the music biopic about Motley Crue uh, that came out on Netflix, is, you know, a propaganda piece produced by the artists who in several cases were like wildly abusive to women in their life and it's played off as sort of a, a minor thing so like I I think that Elton John again I have to commend for being very honest about how he behaved when he was in the throes of addiction um but I think that just like as a general rule, when you have a musical artist's estate involved in a movie about their life, it's, uh, it's a slippery slope to yeah. skating over some really, really fucked up behavior. Yeah. To be fair, I do also think that the fact that he has been through addiction programs uh, probably colors the fact that he's able to tell his story um, semi-objectively in the fact completely uh, opposite of whatever he learned to not take responsibility in telling that story. And um, I mean, 
I hate Richard Madden's character. <laughs> he is such John a Reed. dick. Yeah. He literally says at one point, I'll be collecting my 20% long after you've killed yourself. Yeah. And if that doesn't tell you everything that you need to know about that fucking character... He, whether or not he said it or not, I mean, otherwise I'd watch a documentary if I want to know what actually happened, but this is yeah. a dramatized version of yeah. it. And I thought that line really underlines an issue that a lot of these artists go through, which is when you become huge, when you become like this celestial giant, you're going to attract so many satellites. And when he's at that party where he jumps into the pool and has this moment where he tries to kill himself, my next trick, I'm going to kill myself. I love how it portrayed that of he's surrounded by hundreds of people and he has no one. Yeah. He has no one in his life, and yet he's surrounded by people that are there to get something from him. I think another thing is is that when you get to that uh, point in the movie where he um, jumps into the pool, mm-hmm. um, everybody, everybody who rescues him is a stranger. Yeah. I think that that yeah. actually says a lot, is that every single person he looks... He can't recognize any of them because they're all strangers. They're all people that I guess care about him or just care that he doesn't die because they're partying at his house, but they're the people that rescue him, which is very interesting. And uh, like you said before, Zach, I really love the through line of uh, him and Bernie Toppin's relationship through the mm-hmm. movie. It's really special. It makes you cry. Yeah. It does because my, we all want we all want that best friend. Yeah, you know? my my actually the scene that really highlights their relationship for me yeah. is where he uh, um, Bernie's trying to give Elton John advice in the little side stage little hallway behind the yes. stage, telling him what to do. He's like, Hey, you write the lyrics, don't tell me how to do my life and then he just starts cursing out his best friend, Bernie. Yeah. And then there's maybe two seconds of, of, of dead air, and then yeah. he just holds his hand and goes, I'm sorry. He says, I know. I know. Yeah. That right that's, there that's is friendship, that's right friendship there. where they yeah. had a little tiff, boom, they're still yeah. together, they're still nice. Okay, also, though, at the very end, um, you know, he's like, hey, have you been, like, have you been practicing your piano? Have you been, like, playing on the piano or whatever? And Ellen's just like, no, I just don't know if I'm going to be, like, as good as I used to be, you know? And Bernie tells him straight up, and this is the thing about best friends, is that they know you as well as you know you, but they're not scared to tell you what you're scared to tell yourself. And he says, you're just scared to feel again, which is another thing that comes back to addiction programs and just addiction in general is that for so long, you you know, you ply yourself with alcohol and drugs just so that you're not feeling those bad things that you're feeling. You're not connecting them the same way. And when you're sober, that shit wrecks you. Yeah. Wrecks you so hard. And I can definitely believe that that could be a fear of somebody, especially when you're doing something so creative and personal as making music that connects with other people. Because if you connect with other people, you're doing something infinitely personal, right? And so getting back to that, getting back to that place where you're able to do that means that you need to be in touch with your emotions. And being sober and doing that when you for so long have not been sober and been, you know, doing that, it... It, it's gonna unlock a lot of shit, you know. Yeah. And, uh, I hate to, I hate to. Actually, no, I love to bring it up. I'm sorry, I have to do it. <laughs> I think this movie really made me realize that Rocket Man and Boz Lerman's new Elvis are two sides <laughs> of the same coin. Mm-hmm. One of them 
ended up truly listening to themselves and the people who actually love them in their life, and it went one way. The other, I won't say who, listened to the wrong people. Talk about that other movie. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I just want to say that uh, we are not going to reveal what we are talking about next week. It could be any movie. So, uh, you know, just go ahead and pause the episode, write down your guess, and see if you're right. Because, you know, it's anybody's game at this point. I have no idea what we're going to be talking about next episode. Ah, fucking son of a bitch. It's it's a mystery to us all. Uh, So, if we're okay with it, I would like to pivot from talking about the, like, real-world aspects of Elton John's addiction. Mm-hmm. And for a moment, I want to talk about how the musical numbers are shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think, at least for me, up until Benny and the Jets, for sure, the variety of how those sequences are staged is, like, really, really fun to watch. I mean between the, like, big outdoor musical number uh, when they're performing The Bitch is Back, when he's going into his first flashback. I think that the way that they use color grading in that is, you know, not subtle, but also it's a movie about fucking Elton John, so, like, why be subtle? Why? Exactly. Um, Which I know runs contrary to what I've been talking about, but it's it's something that I just like to bring up with movies about artists. Uh, it is a just, like, bombastic opening number that's, you know, staged in a really interesting way and color-graded in a way that just, like, really brings you into sort of the, like, for lack of a better term, magical realist aspects of the story. Glad you brought that up. Uh, I feel like the... Uh, I Want Love number is framed in a really intimate way where you have all of these characters literally separated into different rooms, all talking about how they need love from one another, mm-hmm. but don't feel that connection. Uh, I think that, I mean, I could go on and on about uh, Saturday Night's All Right and uh, Crocodile Rock. I mean, I think those might be my two favorite numbers in the entire movie. They uh, decided to incorporate magical realism into this film. Uh, It works so well. If you're going to be doing a biopic, if you're going to dramatize someone like Elton John, uh, why not go glitzy, go glam, be sumptuous, extravagant? Because the movie itself should be a show in its own right. It should give, the movie should give you the feeling that you would get if you went to a concert of this person. Yeah. I think that I love all of that. I do especially really like the moment where he jumps into the pool trying to kill himself. And he has this moment with um, his inner child, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. where he starts to do uh, Rocket Man, right? Yeah. And I, I don't know what it was about that specifically that I, I really loved. Um, it's beautifully shot. It was. Like, I was thinking, and how you know, did they shoot And this? you know, it is, it is difficult to do underwater shots. Yeah, and yeah. he's singing underwater. Yeah. And I was like, is that, is that air that they're blowing at him to make it look like it's underwater? I don't think so. Those I bubbles are real. I don't know. Don't know. Yeah. But I really, I really love that scene. Because everything else is, um, I'm all alone. And who does he connect to in that moment? But himself. But his younger self. A more innocent version of him that still had hopes and dreams. 
Yeah, so I, I do really enjoy that. Yet, the, the song that hit me the hardest, he returns to the piano where it all started. There's no magical realism, there's no, there's no extravagant dance number. It's him at the piano figuring out the notes, and it brings everyone in that household, whether they support him or not, Bernie, his grandmother, his mother, his stepfather, Fred, they're all, they're, it's like a magnetism. And that's how I felt. I was on the edge of my couch leaning in going, oh my God, it's your song. And it might, I might be biased because my, it's my favorite Elton John song. It's my favorite. Seeing him come up with a classic in that moment was just so wonderful. And I love that it was just so clean and genuine. Uh, I'd also like to say that I think the thing that I find so like beautiful about that scene, which, you know, I know what you're going to say. It's the fact that Elton's not writing the lyrics. The fact that your song is penned from Bernie to Elton. Yeah. And Elton is singing it back to Bernie. He's pulling an Uno reverse card and it's (laughs) the most beautiful Uno reverse card ever. Richard Batten also has a really wonderful voice, I think, other yeah. than Taryn yeah, Edgerton and yeah. maybe maybe Jamie Bell as well. I Jamie think he, Bell, love him. Oh, wonderful Billy Elliot, sweet boy. Uh, we love you, Jamie. <laughs> and what's oh is Jamie Bell? Call, no, sorry, oh Jamie Bell is not calling in. No. Uh, that was we, that was we, a we telemarketer. That. That's Bryce Dallas Howard. Don't pick oh, up. Oh, I'm not picking up. I'm not picking up. Okay, cool. So, Great. Great. I mean, I love the bitches back, which is. For me, it's a little, it's a little bittersweet because it's so faintly used at the very beginning of the movie, and I personally really love that song. It's got a lot of, you know, it's like, I'm sober and I'm back, fuck all y'all, you know, is literally what that song says. So, yeah, no, I love that song, but your song, like, hearing it, it's, it's magic in the movie. Like, hearing it being made. I think it just really sells the relationship between him and Bernie. It just keeps, like, reinforcing it. You know, mm-hmm. um, especially because in that scene where he kind of like, you know, is essentially like, oh, I, I kind of like you. And then there's that rejection, but that acceptance of yeah. who he is. And he, there's this understanding of you make the songs come alive. Like I write things, but you're the one who makes it come alive. And you get to see that moment of it coming alive, you know? Uh, yes. Uh, you oh, I just want to say that uh, the little moment that Jamie Bell has that just sells me on like this is this is the best friend you fucking want and what you're talking about him being like you're making my songs come alive in the performance of Crocodile Rock when he's up in the balcony at the Troubadour doing his little dance moves yeah and then when he points at the stage and goes yes yeah I just like such a wonderful performance and just like so sweet and yeah. warm. I, 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 I agree with everything you're saying. I just, I, I love that performance so much, and I think that the your song moment is, you know, kind of the key to the whole movie. Yeah. But I, I have to mention his little reactions during Crocodile Rock because yeah. they are just well, delightful. I think we take for granted that first person who isn't family that actually truly loves you for who you are, even all the shitty stuff that you do. So that every time that you see Bernie come up, you know, obviously he's just trying his best and maybe his best isn't good enough every time because he, you know, it, he's not 
you know, like he he leaves Elton in that room before Elton tries to commit suicide, right? He's like, okay, girls, let's go get a drink, you know? And then at some point he decides he's going to take a break and then he comes back and he wants Elton to get better, you know? And we just kind of keep seeing this come back to his, to Bernie kind of being his rock, which speaks to the fact that they wrote together for what, 50 years? Yeah, yeah, it's the most sincere collaboration you could think of where he's on the balcony. That is genuine excitement that he is yeah. feeling seeing his homie kill it. Yeah. Like, he's not faking that. Like, that's th- that collaboration that they have drives both of them. They yeah. both need it. it it's kinda, beautiful. It kind of makes me th- think about that picture of Keegan-Michael Key watching Jordan Peele win the Oscar. Yeah. I mean, just like... A delightful moment of cheering for your boy. Yeah, it's, you can't you can't beat it. Yeah. Are we get on that? Cause I. What what else do you want to talk about? Oh no! Please go move move forward. Oh, take the reins. Okay. Well, I mean, Lead good me forward, God, Daddy. the costume design on yes, this. Yes, I have film. a note. Yeah. I'm so sorry, but, like, I'm absolutely feral for, like, every outfit that Elton John wears in this. Like, I, every time I see his platform boots, like, a new form of platform boots in this movie, I'm just like, yes, absolutely, 100%, I'm here for this. Um, the, the very first costume that he wears for the Troubadour, wait, Jesus, I want that outfit. You would look good in that outfit. I know I would. Yeah. That's why I want it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but the, I mean, it just all in all, Elton John, immaculate. I think I did actually go to the thrift store the other day with my friend Kat, mm-hmm. and um, there was like a whole thing of sunglasses. And just in general, she's she lives in Colorado, so she's like very laid back. She wears like you know t shirt and like pants, jeans, you know. I and believe we call that lumberjack chic. <laughs> <laughs> as a yeah. as a fellow and, Oregon boy, I can yeah. confirm that is. Lumberjack chic. Indeed. Uh, coming from Fresno, I definitely, like, the things that I wear, I didn't quite fit in in Fresno, but I definitely feel in my space in L.A. for sure, and I feel like I've gone to kind of play with shit a lot more, and you know what? Rocket Man makes me really excited to play a lot more, you know? We should end on that. That's a line. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, real quick, do we want to do we want to run through our favorite Elton John fits in this film? Yeah, sure. Uh, yes. Okay. Well, great. Does someone want to start? Okay. Or well, sh- I already started. Yeah, you did I, already I, start. I ended the troubadour. Oh wait. Uh, am I gonna say yours though? Because it's the outfit right after. Um. Is that your favorite? I'm not sure. What are you going to say? It's the one that he wears to Mama Cass's house. Oh, that is a great fucking outfit. It's I literally want to with all the pins. Yeah, I, no, it's patches. They're patches. Oh, the jean jacket one? The jean jacket one? Yeah, with patches. With the cherries on it. I've yeah. got a whole bunch of patches uh, Let's in, do my, some stitching. in my room, but I don't have a jean jacket, and I need to get one. I lost my jean jacket. Oh, I took Mick up. I took a Mac out shopping. I'll take you out yeah. shopping. Too. Yeah, I'm yeah, real good at it. I can spend other people's money, no problem. She's very good at it. <laughs> wow. And 
she and she just slapped it on the table, she ladies did. and gentlemen. That was that. That was her dick. Jesus oh my god! Christ. Alexis's dick threw my mic completely out of whack wow. for a second. That was that's one of the heaviest cocks I've ever seen, and I've seen a few. We've seen the movie X. Yes, that's true. We've seen wow. the kid cutting cock. Oh. Yeah, uh, you know, spoilers for a film that maybe we won't cover in full, but we'll probably I'm, mention. During I'm so surprised season. that. It doesn't have its own IMDb <laughs> profile. Yeah. Sorry. Kid Cuddy's girthy cock. Yeah, that's... Uh, I think that... Yeah, I don't know. It was a day player. It didn't have any lines, so maybe yeah. it, it doesn't get... like Its lines got cut. Yeah, yeah. No, it would have talked. It's I, felt it, I felt it speaking. <laughs> it, sp- it spoke to all of us. It spoke yeah. to something. Okay, but wait. So was that your choice, though? Was that your choice? The jean jacket with the patches? What was your favorite outfit? That probably <laughs> would be my choice, uh, mm-hmm. but I'm going to say honorable mention to his big, fluffy, white fur coat. Amazing. That oh, appears yes. during the honky cat number, because... Yeah. Uh, I don't think I can it's pull good. that off, but Lord knows I'd love to try. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What about you, Mickey boy? Uh, unfortunately, I do not remember the song that this outfit... Describe uh, it, I'll tell you. Well, it's a scene where he has his moment with Jamie Bell, where mm-hmm. he they apologize to each other really quickly. It's oh, the so super the, the pinball yeah, wizard. Extravi- it's pinball wizard, thank you. Okay. The super extravagant sequin feather... Mm-hmm get up i remember yeah. watching that thinking good god can i read you what my final note was in the film what i think you'll agree with this first part. the ending while admittedly corny feels so genuine and necessary him hugging his child self telling his corrupted parents to stop this was a story of how he survived the feelings that exist within each note of his songs a dramatized love letter to how despite everything and because of everything he's still standing yeah. Which is the last song of the movie. I can wait to talk about our next movie. In many ways, I'm dreading it. And I think that this is possibly a good place to transition out of talking about Rocket Man mm-hmm. and say what we're going to be talking about next week, which is Baz Luhrmann's 2022 film Elvis. And watch Elvis on HBO Max and, uh, you know, send us your thoughts because we now have social media and an email. Congrats. So, yeah, no, I, I did that. I set that all up. Well done. It's pat Thank us all you. on the back here. Thank if you. If you're in someone... trouble, go ahead and find us and follow us on <laughs> Instagram. <laughs> yes. Uh, on Instagram and on Twitter, we are Film Majors Pod. Uh, and if you'd like to send us an email, tell us your thoughts about uh, what we've talked about. or uh, What's our email? Uh, drop us a suggestion about what you would like us to discuss next. Our email is also filmmajorspod at gmail.com. There we go. If I can dream, you'll do it. I hate this one. <laughs> <laughs>